Welcome to Swim Bike Around the Planet. I am Jill and this is Keith with me. Hey everybody and welcome back to another fantastic episode that we have got in store for you. Uh, we thank everybody for joining back in and listening to us. And of course, keep making sure you do those likes and rating the podcast for us so that we keep moving up the charts and hopefully we'll keep bringing you some good content. So today we're going to talk a little bit about something that's fun, cross training and something you can do with the family or by yourself or whenever. It's a great idea. Yes, exactly. So what we're going to be talking about is now that we're into more of our summertime, Everybody wants to get out on the water. Everybody wants to go out there and have some fun. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about, and me and Jill have actually bought, and we're starting to have some fun with it for Swim Bike Around the Planet, of course. Uh, we bought a kayak and we bought a paddleboard. And we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking a little bit about some of the fun of both of those, as well as some safety features and just some good all-around things out there to make sure that everybody's having fun, everybody's having a good time, but at the same time we're staying safe and we're getting the most out of those experiences. The first thing we're going to discuss is why choose a paddleboard over a kayak or a kayak over a paddleboard? There's advantages to both. The first thing is on the paddleboard is you get a full body workout because you are standing up, so you're going to use your legs and core for balance along with your arms to paddle. Right. So I'm pretty sure by now I think everybody has seen stand-up paddle boards, but what Jill is talking about is exactly right. Those of you who may not have seen it, if you're up north or something like that where you just haven't seen them yet, they're basically giant surfboards that you stand up on and you have a paddle and you're quite literally paddling around. And they are a ton of fun. The next great thing about them is it is low impact. So if you have any knee injuries, shoulder injuries, any injuries, you're still going to be able to do this and enjoy it without furthering the injury. And I will tell you one thing that's surprising, especially for me, you'll actually have a lot more balance up on top of that than you probably give yourself credit for. I know one of the first things that most people think about is, okay, I'm going to be standing on this board out in the middle of the water. I give myself three seconds before I fall in. And it's not the case. They're actually much more sturdy and stable than you probably think they would be. And that's really just out of the design. And we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later on, just the how to pick a good one and, and the types of things you need to be looking for. And then the next thing is, is it's really easy to change your position on a paddleboard. So if you want to take a break from standing, you can sit on it, or which you can't always stand up in a kayak as comfortably as you, as you do on the paddleboard. Right. One of the great things about the paddleboard is that it really is a flat surface for the most part. So you have the ability to jump on, jump off, get, you know, in and out of the water back onto them with relative ease. You know, there, there's a little bit of coordination involved there about climbing in and out. You want to make sure you've got some strength to do that. But for the most part, they're fairly easy to get on top of and then be able to stand back up. And then one of the great things that I love is that while you're standing you can see a lot more and see further into clean water. So you can see the fish swimming or whatever you want to see, and it's beautiful. Yeah, if you just think about that, those of you who have been out on a boat, when you're in a kayak or canoe, you're more or less sitting at water level or maybe one or two feet above that, whatever your torso is. The advantage of being on the paddleboard is that you are standing. So whatever your height is, that's the view that you've got. So it's sort of like you're standing on the bank staring out into the water. You've got a lot more ability to just see down into it. You're going to see a lot cooler things. You're going to see a lot more fish and animals in general. So that it's just a little bit more of a fun experience. And there's several things you can do on the paddleboard. You can fish off of it, which Keith and I have both seen people fishing off of it. I will say that does require a certain element of coordination and uh, stability and balance that's beyond what you would have to do inside of a kayak. So don't just grab something and run out there because you will most likely end up wet and you certainly don't want to lose everything you've got with you. Yes, and you can also race and tour with it. So there are races and more paddleboard races seem to be popping up every year. 
So that is basically exactly like it sounds. A lot of the time they're either standalone or they're part of other combination races where you may paddleboard out a half mile or a mile around an area and then come back in and then you've got a foot race. So think of it as a triathlon where you don't have to actually get in the water. And then you can tour with it. So if you want to go through the mangroves of the Keys or wherever your adventures take you, you can go on the paddleboard and see a lot. And there is one other thing that's nice about that is that they are pretty movable. Because of the fact, this is going to be true with either kayaks or paddleboards, which is why we went with you know each of the options. You can get them into places that you simply can't get boats. You're, you're not as limited on whether or not somebody has a boat ramp or something like that to be able to get it in the water. So it gives you a little bit of flexibility. They are very, very skinny watered vessels. For those of you who are wondering what in the world that means, that means basically the amount of water space it takes, the depth that the boat sits in, is really small. You know, the kayak is going to get a little bit more, but even that's meant to be really small. So we're talking ability to go through inches of water. Same thing with the most part for the paddleboard. The one thing you do want to watch out for, though, with that, with the paddleboard, is that most of them do have a fin that attaches underneath. Now that helps you be able to keep some distance and direction when you're in the wind and when you're out there moving around on a day that's a little bit windier. So you want to keep in mind that that's down there and you don't want to run over something really flat. Uh, That's probably the most consistent problem I've heard from people is that they were forgetting where they were, they ran into something shallow, and suddenly that little fin down there is not there. And as Jill can attest, the first time we took out her paddleboard, we didn't put the fin on it. And she spent most of the day trying to not go in circles as the wind was blowing her. Yes, it does turn you into a sail if you don't have that fin. So let's move on to some of the advantages of a kayak. Right, so everybody has seen kayaks at this point. They've come a long, long way. Now there's a couple of different variations you're going to get and you've seen out there. You've got some of them that are available at your big box store that are relatively cheap. You can get them for $100, $200. Now, it's sort of a you you get what you pay for in the world of kayaks. So if you get something like that, most of the time they're going to be sit in, which generally means there's a hole cut up in the top. You know, there's going to be a hollow area that your legs will go up, go down inside of, or they may be what they call sit on top, which is actually the, the hole itself is full, is flush, and you're actually sitting on top of it. Very similar to what you would be doing on a paddleboard or on top of a surfboard. Just it's designed to be a little bit more depth to it and give you a little more stability. And people like either one. So it's just your personal preference and what you want to do with it. But the biggest advantage is there is definitely more storage on a kayak. So if you want to take a lot of fishing stuff or take stuff for a multi-day trip, you're going to have a better time on the kayak. Right. You're able to just move that around. It's going to be a little bit more meant to be something that can be moved in the water. So, for instance, if you were to race a paddleboard against a kayak, the kayak is going to outrun the paddleboard. They're just meant to be a little bit slicker. It's a little more closer to a traditional boat. So you're going to gain some things there. You're going to gain some stability. Now, many of you remember probably being kids and having kayaks and canoes that you can flip over. And that is still very true with these. You know, you can get ones that are very easy to flip. Now, at the same time, like the one that I actually have is designed to be fished out of. So it's much wider. It gives a lot more stability. It's longer. The one I've got is actually uh, 11 and a half foot. The paddleboard Jill has is, I think, 10 and a half foot. So we're comparable in that. So you've got a lot of variations. Now, you can go out to 12 foot. You can go out to actually out to 14 foot if you want to get something that has a lot of stability. It's just really your preference. And for that, we'll talk about it here in a minute about how you pick the right one. And it gets a lot more into what are you going to do and where are you going to be. The next advantage is it's much more comfortable to paddle long distance because on a paddleboard, you only have a single paddle. For the most part, on a kayak, you're going to have a double paddle. Yeah, that's where it gets into that whole speed idea. You're going to be faster just for being able to make strokes. Now, that's not to say that that's 
that's a huge disadvantage of the paddleboard. I know people that are on paddleboards that can get them moving quite well. So the paddle that you get is a little bit different. It's a lot more, it's like a larger teardrop type shape. So you do have a lot more surface area that you're helping propel yourself forward, but it is not going to be as fast as you are in a kayak where you've got double paddles or double blades that you're able to quickly rotate back and forth. So it's a little bit of a different feeling on the paddle itself. And it's also a little bit different too, just because of the angle. For those of you who have kayak, you're probably used to sort of paddling with the bar across you. So it's the idea of quick little circular strokes. Well, once you're on the paddleboard, because it's sort of that teardrop shape, you're actually meant to get a much longer and deeper stroke into the water and really push yourself a lot more than you would on a kayak with a traditional paddle. And then the last advantage is for those of you that do not live in Florida or somewhere that has warm water 10 months out of the year, is in a kayak you are less likely to fall in. Yeah, you're going to have a little bit better time in the kayak if it is somewhere. Now that gets into one thing I, I mentioned before about the sit in versus sit on. And that's where one of those pieces comes in. If you're in very cold water you're going to probably feel it either way but if you're in a sit in you're basically the separation between you and that body of water it's very it's thin it's essentially whatever the shell is whereas on top of you got a little more space but then you got wind hitting you as well there's a lot of factors that go into that so you're going to want to take a look at that you're going to want to experience them both and, and get some ideas about it now before we go too much further on this there's also now appearing a third option which is actually what jill has and it's actually more of a hybrid so jill would you like to talk a little bit more about the one that you have sure i have a hybrid it is built like a paddleboard but it does have the seat for when i get tired and want to sit and i can paddle either way and it has been fantastic and we just found it out while we were shopping we haven't seen too many of them yet Right, and what I really liked about that was that it gives the ability for her to actually sit down and treat it very similar to a kayak. Now, you're probably wondering why is that a huge advantage, besides from just simply being able to be out there long, you know, for a longer period of time. Well, there's one other thing here that we have in Florida, and many of the states in the south also has. You know, there are... Uh, there are things in the water that you don't necessarily want to come face to face with. Primarily, we're talking about alligators down here in the state of Florida. And the nice thing about that is that, you know, if you're standing up and there's a large gator beside you, there's some nerves happening. Whereas if you're sitting down, it can still be nerve wracking, but it's not quite as bad. You, you sort of feel a little bit safer about that. You're not quite as worried about what's going on. Correct. It is nice to be able to sit down when you see something like that out there and be able to see what they're going to do while you're not standing up. So we, like I said, we haven't seen a lot of those, but they do seem to be out there. They are, I would think, going to probably grow in popularity. We know a lot of people that are enjoying both, and it doesn't really mean that you have to pick one or the other. I think that's a great advantage here, is that you really kind of can experiment a little bit and find the one that you like. And that goes into a lot of other factors, too. You know, what I would advise is go to one of your shops, go to an outdoor, outdoor retailer, go somewhere, if you can, find somewhere that actually has a pool for you to test these out, because you really won't know how comfortable you are in either a paddleboard or a kayak until you're actually in the water. That's going to be the part that really kind of gives that away and tells you, is this something that I'm really going to like or not? Do I feel comfortable? Do I feel stable? Um, and just figure out that. And there's places that will let you actually test that before you buy it. And if you don't have one of those places close, another great way to do this is to go out to like your local river or beach and rent one because they do rent both. Yeah, in fact, I actually really highly recommend that. If you're considering buying a paddleboard, 
go somewhere and rent one and try it out and just make sure that you're comfortable on it and that it is something you're going to like because it is a very different feeling. And when we talk about that, it's not necessarily just enough to stand on one and go, okay, great, this is fun. Paddle around on it a little bit. Make sure it's something that you can turn. Make sure it's something that you're comfortable standing on. Because this may be something that you may be on standing for half hour or more at a time as you go a half mile or a mile in the water. You know, it's not something that's meant to be, you know, a five second thing. It's kind of like when you uh, test ride a bike, as you guys have heard us talk about. It's not just enough sometimes to ride it around a parking lot. You want to put a little mileage on there and make sure that you're really enjoying it and that it does feel good and comfortable. So I think the next thing is to talk about what you look for when you're picking something like this out. And I think this is great for you to talk about, Keith, because you were the one that really wanted the kayak to fish. Right. So what I wanted to do in the kayak side is I was looking for it. You know, I really kind of broke it down very simply into a couple of things. The first of those items really being making sure I understood where was I going to be going and what was my means of getting there. Now, I had top racks put onto the Jeep so that I could actually tote this around. So right off the top bat, this was something that was not going to be on a trailer. This was not going to be something that I was going to stick inside of the car. It was something I was going to put on the roof. So I'm already a tall guy. So for me, getting something up above myself and putting it back and forth really wasn't a problem. And I'm not really too scared of the weight. The kayak I ended up getting weighs about 70 pounds, and that's what goes up on top of there. So... For me, it really wasn't a problem getting something like that above my head and then getting it up on the racks. But take that into consideration first and just think through it of how are you actually going to have to load this and what are you going to have to go through in order to get that boat or vessel ready to go, whether it be a paddleboard or kayak. Is it going into a car? Is it going on top of a car? Is it going on a trailer? You know, Think about that first of all, and that'll also help you kind of figure out how long is this that is something that I can get. You don't want to buy a 14-foot kayak if you really don't have the means to transport it around or you don't have the availability of putting it on a roof or putting it on a rack or putting it somewhere that you're going to be able to really be able to move it around and physically get it up and down. A lot of the times when you're coming off the water at the end of the day, you've been out on the sun, you're a little dehydrated, you're tired. The last thing you want to do is drop this, bust your windshield, take a side mirror off with it, or end up dropping it on the ground and cracking your hull. Put a little time and effort into thinking about that and make sure that you are really kind of figuring out exactly what you want in the kayak itself before transportation. And also, while you are looking for what you think is going to work best for you, check the specs on your car. Make sure your roof can hold whatever you're interested in. Exactly. That was one of the, that's a good point. You know, think about not just how you're going to strap it up there, but yeah, make sure the car can support the weight of whatever you're going to put up there because you don't want to actually damage your vehicle. The next part of that that I really recommend is what are you planning on doing with this? Is this something that you're going to take out on the lake at the end of the day to just take a few minutes to yourself? Is this something that you're going to be sitting and fishing for five or six hours? That was the case for me. Now, the other part of it that really mattered for me was I needed something comfortable and stable. As we've talked about, I'm a big, large male, and I needed to be able to sit in this and know that I'm not in danger of leaning just a little too far to one side and immediately flipping it over. So I went with something that was very wide across the middle. Uh, That gave me a lot of additional stability, has nice slip plates in it. Uh, Mine is actually a sit-on-top kayak, but I spent a little bit extra money to get one version that's a little bit better and it actually has a seat actually clips in and clips out so that it gives me not only the ability to sit on top but it brings me up a little bit higher so i'm actually sitting about six inches up off the water in the kayak itself so it's similar to how i would sit if if i was already in a canoe 
just to give me that little bit of variation in there. And that's going to matter. So think about what it is that you're going to ultimately be using this for and what type of body of water you're going on is very key to this as well. If you're going out on the ocean and you're going to be dealing with waves, you're going to need something different than what you may get on a lake that's going to be relatively calm all the time. Yes, and you definitely want to check your water and what you're going to be in while you're shopping. Right, and and that really does factor into this because if you're going to go out in the ocean, you need to look for something that's designed for that, that can handle a decent number of waves continuously showing up and pushing you around. If you're looking for something that is relatively low-lying and you're going to be on lakes a lot, that's a little bit different. You still got to consider the wind, but you're looking for very different designs. Same idea if you're looking for a paddleboard, it's you're going to be out in the ocean. A lot of them are very stable and you're going to be good to go there. But at the same piece of that, you want to think about, okay, am I going to be somewhere that I'm out in the open? Make sure it's not something that's going to get you in a bad place where you're suddenly a half mile away from the bank and the tide is now pulling you out and the wind's against you and you're realizing you can't get back. And last but not least on this session, let's give a shout out to what we actually use on the water. I use a High Life Perception paddleboard kayak hybrid. And mine is actually a Bonafide RS-117. Uh, you can find that on their website and take a look at them. They've got a couple. They said, I have the 11 and a half. I'm very comfortable in it. I use it in the ocean as well as in rivers, lakes, and I'm a large guy. You could have gone up to the 12 and a half or even looked at the bigger ones, but for me, really, that stability was a key piece of that. In Jill's case, with the uh, perception that she liked, it was really about having that option to be able to stand up or sit down and really just be comfortable out there. So take your time. Look at them. There's a lot of other good brands out there. These just happen to be the two that we really liked, and that's what clicked for us. So I really encourage you, go out there, try some different things, see what you like, see what you don't like. Uh, one part I will say, most of these do not come with a paddle. Plan to go ahead and spend some money on a paddle. This is one of those things that's kind of like tires on your car. You're only as good as what you've got in your hands. And I actually have already had one experience where I was out on a really rough day, and coming back in, I had almost made it back in, but the wind was really bad, the waves were really bad, and the paddle I was using was not up to the task. And about 100 yards away from getting back to bank, my paddle snapped in half. Now, if you can imagine being out on a rough day, you probably have a decent chance of finding your way around. The second I lost that paddle, I was at the mercy of the wind and the waves, and it took all of about five seconds for them both to decide that I needed to go ahead and have a swim. And fortunately, I was able to jump out before the wind actually, the wind and the waves actually flipped me over. And I kept everything relatively upright and was able to bring it and just paddle into shore from there without losing everything. But if I had been further out away from the bank, I'd have been in some real serious trouble with that. So now I went immediately after that and I bought a really good paddle. I spent, I think, 50 or $60 on one and I got something that's very reliable, very sturdy, and I have not had a problem with that since. So don't look at it saying, okay, I need to just get the cheapest paddle I can get my hands on. You want to go ahead and probably put some money into that and make sure you're getting something that's going to really support you long term and make sure that you are safe and ready to go. And there are different sizes on paddles, so you want to look at a size chart or have somebody help you pick that out. Right, and that's all about the height as well as the, the reach in there. You'll see charts with these things like that. If you're not sure, ask. This is something that people that wherever you're at should be able to tell you about it, and they can help you out. And you'll find that there's some variations in there just on how the blades are set up and which ones you're going to want to use. But it should be something you can walk through. Now, you just heard me tell a story about getting rolled in the waves. And that brings me to something that is absolutely, I can't stress this enough. If you're doing this and you're going out on a paddleboard, you're going out in a kayak, whatever it is that you're going to be on, 
it, honestly, I feel this way for the most part, even if you're out in a boat. Now, I'm not talking about all the time in a boat, because I understand sometimes that's just not how we do things. But if you're going to be in a kayak, you're going to be in a paddleboard, put your life jacket on. You are required by law to have it with you, and there's absolutely no sense in not wearing it. It seems like almost every other week lately, we've been seeing stories about people that are tragically drowning because they aren't wearing that. They have some sort of medical condition or they get tipped, or something goes wrong, they end up in the water, and because they're not wearing a a personal flotation device or a PFD, something happens, and they end up becoming a statistic, and then later on, you you hear about people finding them, and searchers having to go through and actually hunt them down, and hopefully find them, and a lot of the time, it turns out that if a person had just been wearing their life jacket, they would have had a much, much better chance at surviving and being rescued. There's absolutely no sense in not wearing it. They make a lot of different variations of it nowadays. They're not just the little orange ones that you remember. They make really good vest ones like you would get for a jet ski or anything else. Take your time. Find one that's comfortable. You can find ones that are very thin. They've actually got some now that you can hit a button, and that's what actually causes them to inflate so that they are minimal. But there is absolutely no reason to be on the water and not have a life jacket on. And the other thing that you are required to have is a whistle, which is great because if something happens, you need to get people's attention. Right, and there's I don't care how loud of a yeller you think you are, you're not going to yell through a heavy wind. But you might as well just get that out of your idea. And this is these are all required things. And one of the things that I can't stress enough, know the water that you're in and know the rules. If you go and take a look at Coast Guard rules and figure out exactly what they require, these are all things that have to be on the vessel that you're on. This is normal boating safety. So take the time, understand what it is you need to do, and please... Make sure you're wearing the life jacket. You've got your whistle with you for safety. If it's a hot day, take water with you. There are no reasons to not do these simple things that can make sure that you don't end up having a bad day. And the last thing, yes, you are not in the water, but you are on a vessel in the water and it is easy to go on the water. Be comfortable swimming. You don't have to be an Olympian, but you should know how to do a basic stroke in case you have to. Right. It, It doesn't hurt to do that. And I mean, that's what life jackets are for, for those of you who don't know how to swim. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's, again, just make sure you're wearing it. Set a good, be a good role model. Set a good example for the kids. Make sure the kids are wearing it. If they see you wearing it, chances are they'll put theirs on. If you're not wearing it, it's a little bit harder to tell them to wear theirs. And I understand that. So be a good role model. Put the life jacket on. Make sure you've got all the things you need. And be safe out there. something more fun. Let's talk about a couple of our adventures that we have had on these things. Yeah, because one of the things that I love about them is they are so portable. You know, we put them up on the Jeep. We've tied them up there with some straps. I probably use more straps than I really need, but I like to feel comfortable knowing that they are not going to move an inch off of that roof. So I think my favorite thing we have done with them is gone out to Canaveral National Seashore. If you're coming down to Florida, you're going to be on the East Coast over there around Kennedy, around NASA, Daytona Beach, or any of those areas. Look this up because this is a really hidden gem you may not know about. And I can't tell you just how amazing it is to really get a chance to see very natural Florida. And especially on the northern part of the lagoon, this is an area that does not have development on it. So the water, for the most part, is still really clear. And it doesn't have a lot of the other problems that you're going to find associated with some of the water bodies in Florida. Yes, when we were out there, we saw dolphins. And don't mess with the dolphins. You can look at them, but it is federal law. You don't mess 
mess with the wildlife. And I even saw stingrays standing up on my paddleboard, and the water was clear and beautiful. And I've seen manatees out there multiple times. So you have the ability to get pretty close and interact with a lot of cool stuff out there. Like I said, just take a look at them, watch them, let them go by. But take a look at Canaveral National Seashore. There's a lot of great beach opportunity out there as well. You can either go on the lagoon side, you can go out onto the ocean side and watch it. The sands there are beautiful. It is just a absolutely wonderful part of Florida. Now, it will get busy, but for the most part, it being a national park, it is somewhere that you can get to that a lot of other people may not be. So, time it up well, go out there and enjoy yourself, and really kind of have some fun out there. Now, one of the times that we've been out there, we've been out there a number of times, but one of my favorite parts about that was that we were out there more or less by ourselves one day, and we were just kind of paddling out through the mangroves and just having a good time. I caught a really large redfish, which was fantastic, and then I remember we were kind of just coming around a corner, the water's relatively shallow, and yet there were some manatees, and we watched a couple of dolphins swim almost right up to us as they were just going on about their day doing things that dolphins do. Another great place to visit in Florida is the Rainbow River. It's clear. It is 72 degrees year-round, so even in the summer, if you like warm water, it's going to take some getting used to. But it is a great river to get to paddle, and you see fish and otters and turtles, and it's super clear. You can see all the way down, and the really neat thing about this river is that the depth is deceiving. Because it is so clear, it looks like the bottom's right there, but because this But because it is springs, some of this can be 10 to 20 feet deep, and it doesn't look it. Yeah, and I absolutely love that river. It is a fantastic river to go on. They do a lot of different tourism options and a lot of different tubing. So you have the ability to jump on a raft and go down it. You don't even have to have a paddleboard or kayak with you. You can just simply get a raft and go down it. Uh, The river itself is not overly long. I think it's about 7 miles in total length. The section that most people tube is from a section towards the upper to about the middle, and it takes about four hours or so to go down there. Uh, now, you do want to pay attention to the laws because they do not allow any alcohol. They do not allow any disposable products of any kind, including cans, plastics, things like that. You And me and Jill have been out there a number of times. One of the things I remember that was so fun was that we put in up at the KP hole, which is the general starting point and the launch for most of the tubes, and we went north from there, and we actually paddled upriver all the way to the Head Springs, which is at Rainbow River State Park, which is another state park that you can certainly check out. It's at the Head Springs, has a swimming area right over part of the springs. Very beautiful. Definitely a good place to go and hang out. And it was just so much fun to get to go up that, because as we were going up through there, you can see so many things. A fish, turtles. We saw one alligator laying over on the side, just sort of getting some sun and doing his own thing. And it was just an absolutely perfect day. And once we got up there, it was warm. So we got out, we jumped in the water. That water is crystal clear and super cool. Actually, 72 can be quite cold. And it was just a great day all around. We had so much fun. So this has been us kind of talking a little bit about some of the options around paddle boarding. Now, remember, we are swim bike around the planet, and I know everybody thinks, okay, that means triathlons, that means races. And what things that we really talked about was we wanted to do this episode specifically because it is something different. It is a different way of exploring it. It still keeps in that theme. Yeah, there are races you can do around it, but it's really more just about getting out there, exploring, and enjoying it. And, of course, paddling, as you've heard Jill mention before, and she's going to talk about it again here and give you another quick update about why paddling is so important. This is a fantastic, fantastic cross-training exercise. It's great because it can be cross-training if you want to go really hard, 
Or if you want to have a nice easy day with the family, you can use it as an active rest day. And those are always nice because I get antsy on rest days. They're hard for me. So to have something like this is awesome. So whether you're in a rowing studio indoors or you're going out there into the world around you and enjoying it, it's just one more way to actually get out there and sort of break up what might otherwise be a very long training plan and training schedule that, that you've got happening. Yes, especially those of you that are training for half Ironmans or Ironmans. I know you're putting a lot of your life into training right now. And this is just a good get out there with the family or your significant other or whoever and enjoy the day. Plus, one of the other little bonuses is if you bring these things along with you to your races, after your races are all said and done, it's a fun little way to go out there and just kind of cool down. Oh, and there's actually one other little event that goes on with the paddle boards that we didn't mention, but you may have seen in some places. Now, neither me or Jill have been brave enough to try this yet, but for those of you who love yoga, there is yoga on paddle boards. Jill, do you want to go into a little bit about what exactly yoga on paddle boards is? Yes, it is what it sounds like. They take you a little bit out into the water and have a yoga class on the paddle boards. I am not comfortable enough with my coordination with yoga. To do this, because all I can think of is this nice relaxing class, and them constantly here splash because I can't stay up in the position. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you who love yoga but just want that one little bit even more of a challenge, I would take a look and see if you can find a yoga paddleboard class out there. And if you're able to do something like the downward dog or warrior pose on a paddleboard, more props to you because that is very impressive. You will not see me trying that one anytime soon. I am with Keith on that one. So this will be wrapping that up. Now stay with us for just a few minutes. we got a few other quick announcements. We're going to do one other section about something very cool that I think you will enjoy. But we really hope that you've enjoyed learning a little bit more about paddleboards and kayaks and just another option to get out there and enjoy the water. And as we said, you know, we're swim bike around the planet. We really want to focus on a lot of these different aspects and just try to talk a little bit different so it's not every week it's always about the race. This is meant to be a fun thing. It's a good activity. It's a good way to break up a long training session. Just get out there and do something different. And our last section of today is always talking about a race or races. Triathlon season's just getting going, so we will get some 70.3 and Ironman results in a few episodes or maybe the next episode. But we're just going to talk about a local race I did this weekend, which was the Summer Sports Series Triathlon in Claremont. And that's out in Claremont, Florida, where the National Training Center is and has really become a big place here in Florida for the triathlon community with a lot of really cool options and things like that. So as Jill said, this is the sort of unofficial start of the season for the most part. I guess it's it's just starting to get going anyway. Yes, there are a few triathlons in March and April, which around here, St. Anthony's is really the big one. But for everybody that wants to stay local, this is what it is. Okay, so Jill, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about it? What were the distances for this race? So this race was a 400-meter swim, a 10.8-mile bike, and a 5K. So a pretty standard little sprint triathlon. But the cool thing about this triathlon is one of the things you don't find in Florida a lot are hills. And yes, to you northerners, Europeans, and Anywhere else, I know Florida has baby hills, but they are hard to us because it's what we train on. I don't have any comment to that. I agree. Our hills are ridiculous compared to some of our other friends that we know. Uh, thinking of a couple that we actually know really well that are over in Scotland. And the mention of these being hills would make him laugh so hard he would probably fall out of his chair. But when you're used to riding flat in Florida, they are hills. And it is a fun, challenging bike course for Florida. 
And the rain, the, the swim is in Lake Mineola, which sometimes the water is beautiful. It's been choppy a few times. But you don't have to worry about critters or anything else because they all scatter when a whole bunch of triathletes run in the water. And then the run is on a trail, which it is just an out and back, but it is a nice run right along the lake. And there are a lot of spectators cheering. And one of the things about that, you kind of heard Jill talk through this, that I do want to point out it's a great thing about this. And regardless of where you are, it's a good thing to look for. This race is very consistent. The swim is something you're typically looking at. You can compare year to year, race to race, and you're going to, for the most part, see the same type of thing. So what's great about that was Jill was actually looking at the course that she had done, same course last year, and comparing it with this year. And while it was slightly different, it was close enough that she could really get a kind of one-to-one comparison to see how has she improved. And that's a great thing to do. So for those of you who are looking for those types of races, or always kind of wondering, am I getting better? How am I doing? Look for a race like this, because it's fantastic for that exact purpose. Yes, they do a series of four races. It's the exact same course. So if you want to track your progress through the year, or through the years, because this has been going on for a while, it's great to do. And Jill, so talking year to year, how did you improve? Was it something that you want to brag a little bit about the good job you did? A little bit. There is definitely a lot of room for improvement still. So the biggest improvement for me was last year when the series started in June was my swim was 12.04. This year, for the first of the series, I went 9.37, which that is, for a quarter mile swim, that is a huge chunk of time. Yeah, that's a great deal. And then the bike has been slowly coming better. I did have my best time on the bike of that course in the five races I have done on this course. So that was fantastic as well to see my improvements. But I definitely need to run more. Yeah, and I think that's always the truth with any of these triathlons. Everybody always seems to find that one event they need to work just a little bit harder at. And it's kind of good, I think, that you've identified yours. Absolutely. Because I get passed on the run a lot. I don't want to get passed on the run anymore. So that will be my big focus. And we can read about it in my blog. And I will post on Instagram about it as well. So, speaking of which, because we are wrapping up this episode, and again, we thank everybody for joining us. We really hope this has been fun and informative. Uh, Jill, you mentioned blog as well as Instagram. So, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you for everybody that wants to follow along and see some of the adventures of Jill as she's out there. So, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is loves, L-O-V-E-S, the number 2, T-R-I dot 82. And then we have my website, which is swimbikerontheplanet.com, and the blog is on there. And then we are on Twitter as well at SBR the Planet. Great. So make sure to follow along at all those places. And, of course, if this is content you're enjoying, please, please help us out. Give us a like on whatever podcast media you happen to be on. Let us know that you are doing a good job. Write us on emails. However you want to communicate, just let us know what you're thinking. And if you've got good topics or good stories, or if you've had experiences on kayak or paddleboard, we want to hear about it. Just let us know what's going on. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.